Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. We're in the third week in a scripture, Psalms 4610, be still and know that I am God. And so the people who are here today are engaged. They're devoted. Thanks for being here. If you're here for the first time today, there's going to be action steps scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Make sure you check those out. Engage with us. Let us know where you're at so we can help you move forward spiritually. You can also say hello in the comments section. We'd love to know who you are and where you're watching from, especially if you're getting ready to take your next step into a church and you're not in our area. We want to help you get connected to the local church. And so make sure you engage and let us know where you're watching from. We've learned a lot in Psalms 46 and over the past three weeks. Uh, it's jam-packed. It's jam-packed. The action set from John 15, remain in me. And we understand that to remain, we must be still. And once we're still, we can know. We cannot know on the go. That's what we covered last week. And so then today, we'll confirm why this is so important and what God means when He says, I am. When He says, I am. There's so many different ways to look at the last part of this scripture. And so... If you're looking at how many times God said, I am in the Bible or how many God is referenced as I am, there's over 300 times that he's referenced as I am in the Bible from Genesis 15, 1 being the first to Revelation 22, 16 being the last. And what we understand is this is why God is considered or referred to as the great I am over 300 times. I am identifies him. Jesus in describing himself while he was here, we find this in the New Testament. He often starts with the words, I am. We don't think about these two being the same, but they are. And so in the book of John, we see eight of them. And all eight of these is who Jesus is to you. If you're taking notes today, um, you can jot these down. You can screenshot them. Wyatt's going to put some slides up right beside me for each of these. And hang with me because each of these eight are important, but the eight really is the pinnacle. It caps it off. And so the first time we see it in just chapter, in just John alone is John chapter 6, verse 35. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And what he's saying when, he, when, when you look at Jesus as the bread of life, he offers each of us life everlasting, eternal life, not just here on earth, but in heaven. If you watched our kids' message this morning, what Heather did, it talks a lot about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus came so that we can have life everlasting. The second time is in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And Jesus as the light of the world offers us the choice between the darkness of sin and the light and the life of his presence and the light of eternity. The third time we see this in John chapter 10, verse nine, he says, I am the door. Most time we look right over this one. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus as the door offers us the path to salvation. The fourth time we see this in John chapter 10, Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. This is something we've read to our kids for years. I am the good shepherd. It's John 10, 10, right? The good shepherd gives his life for a sheep and the sheep know his voice, right? Jesus says the good shepherd, we understand, died to save us. That's what a good shepherd does. He goes after the one and he does whatever it takes to, to get him. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. The fifth time we see this is John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And what you see Jesus as the resurrection and the life will raise all who believe just as he raised Lazarus. This is what he's saying when I am the resurrection and the life. When we find ourselves in Jesus, 
we know that on that day when he comes, we're all going back together. The sixth time we see it is in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This kind of buttons up the, the I am the door. And when you see Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, it reminds us that um, he is our only source of salvation. Jesus is our only way to heaven. The only way to the Father is through the Son. That means receiving. The seventh time is special to us because it's John 15, 5. It's what we spent two weeks in uh, to start the summer. I'm the vine, you are the branch, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit because without me or apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus as the vine is our source of life. That's what he's saying. Jesus as the vine is our source of life today and eternally. And the eighth one we're going to park on for just a second. It's probably the, the cornerstone that we're building the message on today. The eighth one, uh, the eighth I am, more likely is the most overlooked. And, but, and for great reason, because we love the number seven, because seven means whole. Seven is complete. Seven is the number of God. Six is the number of man, just a little bit short, right? And so we find seven. And when you look at this eighth I am, you see that it is the most profound by far. And this is in John 8, 58. John 8, 58, Jesus replied, he says, I assure, remember the word assure, you can underline it if you want. I assure you and most solemnly say to you before Abraham was born, I am, I am. And Jesus as I am is our God. He's our God. And he makes it very clear there in John 8, 58. And what I want you to see in this scripture is he makes two improbable claims that rocked <laughs> the rock Jewish Culture that rocked the, the people sitting in their seats, standing and listening. It rocked them right where they stood. And this is who he's speaking to in John 8, uh, 8 58. And he says this, he says, I existed before Abraham. Which that's like, when you think about that, Jesus perhaps died 2,000 years prior to Jesus being here. Okay? The second thing he did is he, he equated himself to God. He took the holy name that God revealed to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3.14 when, when God said to Moses, I am who I am. And at that time, when Jesus is telling this to those who are listening, the Jews, the phrase I am was so holy that nobody said it out loud. Nobody mentioned I am. So when Jesus says, I was alive before Abraham, I am. It was like, whoa. And it was at a time this is so holy that what you see in the verse to follow in John 8, 59, if we'll just pause for a second, if we pause for a second and put ourselves in this place, this could be the saddest verse in the Bible. This could be the saddest verse in the Bible. And what you see is at that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and he left the temple. And when he left, I imagine he was beyond heartbroken. There's no words to describe this moment because he is in the fullness of who he is. And with boldness, he says, I am, I am. And the people couldn't handle it. You can't say that. We don't say it. We don't speak. We don't say that. Right. And so Jesus leaves the temple, the son of God, through whom the whole universe, the whole universe was made, who should have been the object of the people's worship in that moment was forced out. He was forced out. And what you see is, and what we know now is Jesus came to fulfill the whole law. He came to be among God's people, to be with, to be with us. And at that moment, he had no place in the temple. 
but that temple was dedicated to the God who sent him. All because he says, I am. And what we see is Jesus is the eternal I am. We know that now. He is, he was, and is, and is to come. And so what you see is he left the temple. He left the temple knowing it wasn't his time, right? They could stone me right now, but now is not the time. I know. And so he leaves the temple, but he will be with us eternally, forever, always, right? Because all who trust him with their whole heart, all their faith, will be with Jesus in eternity. And so then the eighth I am statement of Jesus establishes him as our Lord, as our God. He's our Redeemer. He's our friend. He's our friend. Remember, friend, we're going to talk about that next week briefly. What you see with Jesus, he is the center and the source of all truth. It all hinges on him. Now, the number eight in the Bible is unique. It means new beginnings. It means uh, hope. It's a number of hope. It is new horizons. It is a bright future. New beginnings is what the number eight represents. And so today, as we go through the things that Jesus is to you, the eight things that Jesus is to you, if you are ready for a new beginning, you know it's your time to pray, to put your faith in Jesus, to give your whole heart, to give your whole heart to Jesus, then I want to know, I want to know, and I want to help you. I want to give you some resources. I want to start a conversation. I want to pray with you. I want to help you move forward. My information is on the bottom of the screen. Just let me know by, you can shoot a text. Don't call right now because I can't answer. But you can shoot a text or uh, an email and let me know. I would love to get that going with you today, especially if that is your step. If that's your step right now, just do it. Go. You have free reign to leave. By the way, you don't have to be a member to contact us. We don't do membership. We do discipleship. And so you don't have to be a member to let us know. So now with all the I am context, how does this fit to Psalms 46.10? As you see the scripture, the author of Hebrews 13 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. And what we know in growing in full assurance, remember I had you underline assurance in one of our previous verses. Growing towards a full assurance of faith is our journey in life as believers. Journey, marathon, not a sprint, not a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision, right? And so non-believers do not have faith. It's not something you pick up and put down when it's convenient because of who you're around. You either do or you don't, right? And so you don't pick it up or put it down, you grow in it. You grow in it. We call it discipleship and it changes your life. It changes your life. And so full assurance of your faith takes being still and knowing that I am. I am what? I am just as Jesus taught. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am. Full assurance of your faith takes being still and knowing I I am just as God said. Just as God said what? He said, I am who I am in Exodus 3.14. He said, I am the Lord who heals you in Exodus 15.26. He said, I am the Lord and I do not change in Malachi 3.6. He says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God in Isaiah 41.10. In Revelations 22.13, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. And in Psalms 46, 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. We dove deep into that last week, right? And so what you see in all this, you can find in Hebrews 10, 22 through 26. 
talking about assurance, assurance. Assurance is one of those old Christian, could be religious words that we've kind of like checked off the box. Is, is, is that like insurance? No. Okay, full assurance. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 22 through 26 and see what it says. Let us draw near to God. How do you want, do you want to know I am? You want to know the I am? You want to have full assurance in that? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. A sincere heart means you're going to get real. Get real before God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Do you know that God? Do you know the God that we're talking about in Hebrews 10, 22 to 26? Because assurance, if we look at verse 22 with a sincere heart and full assurance, assurance grows. The only way assurance grows is with constant interaction. It's coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Old Phillips Craig and Dean song. It begins when we learn to simply trust the word of God, the power of God, and we're going to trust it beyond and against every appearance and every opinion. This is where assurance starts. Let's say it again. Assurance grows with consistent interaction. It begins when we learn to simply trust the word and power of God beyond and against every appearance and opinion. Blessed assurance. Your trust in God with a consistent, sincere heart brings you assurance. With the understanding that assurance has degrees, it has levels. It's not just I have assurance and I don't. It is our journey in life. Our assurance grows the more we consistently engage with a sincere heart right? How much did Moses' assurance change from the start of his conversation with God in Exodus 3 to the end? Because he went from not me, I can't, no way, to uh, I am sent me. That's who sent me. Just like that. I was sent by I am. So then after Jesus, once we establish that relationship with Jesus, knowing him, which, which restores us to and into, back to, relationship with the Father, Where does your assurance in the great I am begin? Where does it begin after you establish that relationship with God? This is what we're talking about next week. It's going to be amazing. Very practical, but amazing. We find it in 1 Corinthians 13, 5 through 9. And I broke this up into two slides for you. The message translation is so good with verse 5 through 7. Here's what it says. How do we find that assurance? Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Do not drift along taking everything for granted like we sometimes do. Giving yourselves regular checkups. Huge. Examine your heart. Check yourself. Check yourself. Psalms 139 fits perfectly right there. You need firsthand evidence that Jesus Christ is in you. You need firsthand evidence that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. Test it. If you fail the test, do something about it. If you are weak in your faith right now, if your hope stinks, do something about it. And doing something about it means going back to the source, connecting to the source, stopping and being still. Let's pick up in the Amplified Version, verses 8 and 9. For we can do nothing against the truth. Jesus is the center and the source of all truth. 
for we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth and the gospel, the good news of salvation. Come on. And we are glad when we, when we are weak, since God's power comes freely through us. Are you weak right now? Is you, are you unsettled? Are you struggling? Join the, join the club. I'm, I'm teaching you from my living room, okay? Struggling a little bit with this. 70 weeks, 71 now. Why? Come back for when we're weak. We should be okay. We should be assured because God's power comes freely through us. But you, by comparison, are strong. We also pray for this, that you may be made complete, fully restored, growing and maturing in godly character and spirit, pleasing, which has to do with who you are, not what you do, pleasing your heavenly Father by the life you live. By the life you live. And so then, hills, valleys, ups, downs, highs, lows are going to happen. They're going to happen. Because assurance, we see in Hebrews 10.22, grows with consistent interaction with the Father through time well spent with Him, not rushed with Him, well spent with Him. It begins when we learn to simply trust the Word and the power of God beyond and against every appearance and opinion. Your action step this week. There's five of them. This is not one thing. These are five separate things. You're going to reference 1 Corinthians 13, 5 through 9 for these. Okay? The first thing you're going to do is be. Be. Stop doing. What do you mean? Have regular checkups. You find it in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6. The next thing you're going to do is be still. It's one thing to be. It's another thing to be still. Be still. What do I mean? Stop going. Test your faith daily. Do regular checkups daily. It's verse 7. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Be Now, number three, be still and know. Be still and know. Ooh, there's depth. There's now, we're, now we're just a little bit deeper. We're becoming followers of Jesus. Why? Because we're going to start or we're going to keep learning. It's verse 8. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Now, let's go one more further. We're really getting rooted. Be still and know that I am. You're going to remember, go back to that day that you made Jesus Christ your Lord. Let today be that day and follow through and make Jesus Christ your Lord. Remember, keep believing. It's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9. And finally, finally, we get to polish this thing off. Be still and know that I am God. What am I saying? Be fully assured, wholehearted. Where do we find it? Hebrews 10, 22-26. Let us draw near to God with, with a sincere heart, a real heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from our guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Is faithful. What am I saying? Don't throw away your confidence. If you go just 10 verses later, Hebrews 10.35, here's what it says. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. If Abraham was alive 2,000 years before Jesus, you got this. Draw near. Be sincere. Get real. Be. Be still. 
Be still and know. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am God. Well, does it's just one person. Noah worked on a boat for 120 years. Do you think every day was peachy? No. I'm sure he had highs and he had lows. Moses wandered for 40 years. Highs and lows. People really didn't like him there at the end, right? How'd they keep going? They were assured. They were assured. They were assured. Be assured. Don't throw away your confidence. What am I saying? What is the definition of assured? Confident. I'm confident. The second one is protected against discontinuance or change. Confident. Protected. Be assured. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.